Welcome to the Nourished and Free Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Yates, a registered dietitian, and this is where we talk all things intuitive eating, body image, and really just how to create a healthy relationship with food. Today's topic is something I'm really excited to talk about, which is because binge eating is so incredibly common, but we don't really realize that it is. It's kind of a hush-hush subject because of the nature of it. Admitting you struggle with binge eating is hard, and even knowing if you struggle with binge eating can be equally as hard. So that's why I want to talk about how do you know? If you're binge eating. So I'm going to break down all the top questions that I have surrounding the topic of binge eating. And if I don't answer a specific question that you have, you're welcome to submit your question to Michelle at YatesNutrition.com for a chance to have it answered on a future episode. Let's do this. like to think about binge eating in two different categories. First one being it's clinical or objective binge eating. And the second one being more the casual or subjective binge eating. When having a conversation with somebody who says, I binge eat, it's important to learn what that actually means to them. The experience of binge eating varies from each person. And what some consider a binge is really not a true clinical binge at all. However, if they're choosing to use that word to describe it, that is an indication to me that there is still something that we need to look into. There is still an underlying problem with the relationship with food. Clinical binge eating, let's talk about that. I say that this is objective because it's more on paper. When someone has a binge, We're not saying that in a clinical setting unless it meets certain parameters. So first of all, a clinical binge is when somebody is having an amount of food within two hours that is definitely more than would be expected in that same exact circumstance. So that's really key that we um, consider the circumstance because Thanksgiving dinner doesn't count, (laughs) right? That's kind of the norm of Thanksgiving is to overeat. So that's not a binge just because you ate more than is normal for you, but is normal for that holiday. However, having an entire pizza, carton of ice cream, and a package of Oreos on a random Tuesday evening in January, not super typical and would be more along the lines of a binge. Binge eating is also accompanied by a lack of control or feeling out of control. The person may not even feel like they can remember it, they can't control what they eat, or they can't stop when it starts. Those two things have to be true in order for us to say, yeah, clinically you struggle with binge eating. You're having way more than is typical in that same circumstance within two hours and you feel out of control. So casual binge eating is not, it's not casual. So I I don't want to miss an represent what I mean by this. It's not that it sh- it's normal or should be normal. I say casual because it's still a bingey type of behavior, but it's just not meeting that clinical 
criteria necessarily. So maybe somebody isn't having a huge amount of food within two hours and feel out of, like they don't feel out of control. There could still be the description of binge eating that I think is valid, um, even though it might not meet that clinical criteria necessarily. So uh, here's kind of what I mean by that. If you're somebody that has ever ate until you're uncomfortable or even feeling sickly, whether it was in two o- within two hours or not, maybe it was within two hours, but you felt totally in control, then I would say that binge eating is the most uh, useful way to describe that. Um, it's just not necessarily clinical. Some other examples are if you're having food way faster than normal, you're eating way faster than normal, or eating when you're not physically hungry. I see this a lot with um, when people have really intense emotions, right? They want to use food to cope with the emotions. That's, That's really common. So a lot of times people feel like they're binge eaters and really it's emotional eating that's going on behind the scenes here but still somewhat of a subclinical binge. And then another reason that somebody might be eating because they're not physically hungry is because the food might just be there and they're just used to eating food that's in front of them, not necessarily just tasting something, but having a full meal, having a full helping of something that their body wasn't actually saying they needed at the time. That's, again, kind of in that subclinical binge area. Another symptom or sign of this subclinical subjective binge eating is feeling a ton of guilt or shame or even embarrassment around what somebody is eating. And that can be happening independent of how much food was actually consumed. It can happen independently of what the quantity looks like. So for example, somebody may be embarrassed because of the type of food that they ate I know some people feel a lot of shame if they go and get fast food or if they have a dessert or have a donut or whatever. Um, It could be just the type of food itself made that person feel that way. It could also be that somebody, in the case of anorexia, really doesn't want to eat, period. And so they're ashamed that they just had food at all. Those don't necessarily fall in that binge category. It's more so if somebody's feeling a lot of guilt and shame about the quantity of what they're eating. And again, it's important that we identify here, if somebody is a clinician or practitioner, how much food it takes for somebody to feel guilt, shame, or embarrassment. Maybe somebody's going off plan, right? They're not following the diet. They're not following the meal plan. That could be considered a binge to them. But in reality, all they did was have a really normal meal because (laughs) their plan or their diet instructions are super restrictive. So is that a clinical binge? No, but to them it was. And then eating at a time of day that one isn't supposed to be, right? So if somebody is like not supposed to eat after 7 p.m. because apparently that just turns to fat right away, which by the way, you can eat after 7 (laughs) p.m., Um, somebody might think that, oh, I binged because I ate after seven, even though they might've only had like some popcorn or something. So again, the quantity is important here. If you're just having a normal snack or a normal amount of food for your body, it's not a binge, but maybe because it's after hours, you actually do want to have a huge amount of food. Then we might be going into that either clinical or subclinical binge territory. If somebody is saying, I feel addicted to food or I feel addicted to sugar, 
my guess would be that there's some either clinical or a subclinical binge eating going on. And then if in general, somebody feels like they just overeat, they just feel like they're generally having too much food, then I think that casual term of binge eating is probably going to be used there. So these types of symptoms, this casual binge eating, it doesn't necessarily mean that someone is clinically suffering from binge eating disorder, right? Which I'll talk more about. But it does indicate that, hey, there's something going on here that we need to look into more, either your perception of food or the actual behaviors with food or both. So if an individual is going through any of these challenges, my guess is that they're still in some need of healing and freedom with food. There may be an underlying diagnosis of the eating disorder known as binge eating disorder, but if not, they're still showing signs of disordered eating and it's still something that needs attention. Now, binge eating disorder is the symptom of binge eating taken into a category of now we're severe enough that we have a diagnosis. So binge eating disorder, it's, it's life-altering, it's even life-threatening, uh, and it's in that category of mental illness. So it does require clinical help and support, and it can't be diagnosed unless we're meeting specific criteria, which is outlined in the DSM-5, just like the rest of eating disorders. So first of all, we have to be meeting that criteria of binge eating, that clinical description. So eating within two hours, an amount that's definitely larger than what most people have in that circumstance and feeling out of control. So that has to be happening reoccurrently. It can't just be that somebody had that happen one time. Uh, again, it's still an issue. Even if it did happen once, we probably should look into it, but you're not going to get a binge eating disorder diagnosis from once. Second criteria is that those episodes have to be associated with three or more specific symptoms, which is that we're either eating way more rapidly than normal, eating until uncomfortably full, eating large amounts of food when not hungry, not physically hungry, um, We're eating alone because we're embarrassed or we feel disgusted, depressed, or guilty afterwards. So like I said, you can still be saying, I binge ate if you experienced any of that, but you have to be experiencing at least three of those things in addition to that first criteria and the rest of the criteria to have a diagnosis. The third criteria is that it has to be something that is a source of distress in that person's life. Uh, When binge eating is present, this is really distressing for that person. And then the fourth is this has to happen at least once a week for three months. So three months, at least once a week is, I mean, you've got to be really going through this, right? I think if somebody is doing something once a week for three months, we know this is a pattern. This is like something that needs attention. So again, it's not just a one-time thing. It's happening regularly. And then also just to separate it from bulimia nervosa, the binge eating has to be um, just binge eating. It can't be associated with any kind of compensation like purging or excessive exercise, right? It doesn't coincide with anorexia or bulimia. It is its own thing. Binge eating is also given a severity ranking. So depending on how often that person is binge eating, they might range from Mild to extreme. So mild is like one to three times a week. This is happening. Moderate is four to seven times a week. Uh, Severe is eight to 13 and extreme is twice a day or more. 
So binge eating can be, as I said, it can be distressing. I want to talk about what it can really feel like for that individual to go through. And there's a a lot of different physical and psychological feelings that go along with this. So physically, of course, we're probably going to be feeling overly full and maybe uncomfortable, even sick to your stomach. You might also just be feeling weighed down in general, just really fatigued, kind of heavy. Um, Maybe there's pain or cramping in the stomach. The overconsumption of food can even make it hard to concentrate. If this is going on long enough, then we'll see some noticeable fluctuations in weight. Psychologically, binge eating, as I said, it's distressing and it can create feelings of shame and guilt and embarrassment. And this is why, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, this is why it's actually way more common than we think because a lot of times people aren't willingly talking about this. It's hard to talk about because it's just, they feel embarrassed. And so psychologically, this can really mess you up. And there can even be fear, right? Fear of my health, fear of how this is affecting my life or family. And then typically what I see with binge eating as well is there's that extreme concern over how we look and how our body is changing. One of the most common things I hear from women in my line of work is I feel addicted to food. Maybe you've even said this. This is typically an indication to me that they're struggling with binge eating. They say things like, I just want to be able to eat food because it's fuel not just because it tastes good or or I need to cope with emotions, right? They want to have that healthy relationship with food. So if somebody's telling me that, they're usually the type of person that is struggling with binge eating in some sense as well. With that being said, this is really normal. Like this comes up a lot because for how often I hear women say those words, that alone is enough. Like I don't need to see statistics to know that binge eating is normal, But the statistics are there as well. In the casual sense of binge eating, not necessarily meeting clinical criteria, but they're still saying they binge eat, many dieters, which is about half of the population, experience feeling like they binge eat at some point in time. In fact, dieting is even a predictor of binge eating, which I'll tell you more about why that is in just a minute. Uh, Binge eating disorder, interestingly enough, is actually three times more common than anorexia and bulimia combined. That actually is shocking to me because anorexia and bulimia, that's what people are more willing to talk about, but still unwilling. I mean, that's still really difficult to talk about. Binge eating disorder, you never hear about it from people just walking day to day in their life, right? Like It's not a source of conversation, but it's three times more common than these top two eating disorders that we hear about all the time combined, which is crazy. Binge eating disorder is also more common than breast cancer, HIV, and schizophrenia. you could stop thinking about food 24-7? Does it feel like your life is passing you by as you spend all your time focusing on the next diet, the next weight loss scheme, or the latest health trend? I developed my 16-week mastermind program specifically for the woman who's ready to reclaim her time, energy, and money 
that was all wasted as she pursued dead ends that were sold to her by diet culture. In this program, you will be with a group of like-minded women receiving coaching from me on a daily basis so that you can make memories instead of letting them pass you by. For more info and to apply, visit yatesnutrition.com slash mastermind. So a word that I have brought up a, a couple times now is addicted. I feel addicted to food. I feel addicted to sugar. So a natural question is, is binge eating an addiction, right? I think that's a fair question to ask. Is it an addiction to food? Kind of. So I don't have a PhD in psychology. There's only so much I can feel comfortable saying about addiction because I don't want to step outside my scope. What I will say is that binge eating is a learned behavior that can function as a coping mechanism, similar to the function of what somebody's addiction does for them. If somebody has an addiction to cigarettes, then that's typically a coping mechanism, right? It's a stress reliever. So does that mean that binge eating disorder is as difficult to break away from as an addiction to cigarettes? Not necessarily, maybe depending on the person that you talk to, but with the right support and help, the quote unquote addiction to food does not have to be a lifelong battle. So all this talk about binge eating and and the distress behind it and kind of that addictive quality to it, it makes you wonder, why does this even happen in the first place? And so let's talk about that (laughs) because if we don't know why it's happening, then we can't fix the problem. And here's what I've found in my professional experience and, and just study of binge eating. There's one common thing that I always seems to boil down to, and that's restriction. And I know what you're thinking. That doesn't make any sense. Restriction is probably the last thing, right? That's coming to your mind when you think of binge eating because binge eating is an overconsumption. However, when I dig deep into the why behind a binge with my clients or just in case study, I can always tie it back to restricting in one of two ways though. It's not always the same. It's usually one of two reasons. There's physical restriction or psychological restriction. So let me kind of explain what I mean by that. Let's talk about physical. Believe it or not, your body wants you to stay alive. Okay. We were created with many, many intelligent survival mechanisms so that our heart will keep beating and the breath continues to fill in our lungs. What is one of the most basic things that humans need for survival? It's food, right? I think we forget that. We forget it in the midst of our loud and obnoxious diet-obsessed culture that food is actually a source of energy and it's a key reason that we continue to live and breathe and wake up every day. When our body receives the messages that we're not getting enough food, which is in the case of dieting, right, or restriction, there's multiple systems that turn on and push us towards food. An example of this is a chemical in the brain called neuropeptide Y, NPY. The answer to why do I crave bread all the time, right? (laughs) This chemical triggers in our brain and its purpose is to drive you to eat carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are our main source of energy. So it makes sense that we have this backup survival mechanism that's put in place 
that triggers when we're not getting enough of our main source of energy and it drives us to find it. So under eating drives neuropeptide white into action and it really causes the body to seek more carbs. So that's why we're easily driven into a binge when we've been starving ourselves through diets or just general restriction. It's not a problem of self-control. It's just your biology working. Another example is just the basic sensation of hunger. That's a survival instinct. When we feel hunger, we need to eat. (laughs) End of story. The longer we go without eating, the worse it gets. That signal turns up louder. It might turn off for a little bit, but eventually it does come back and it comes back with a vengeance. And there's no possible way that you can slow down that appetite, right? Once it gets to a certain point, that is prime time for binging. Oftentimes, dieters will find themselves stuck in what feels like a roller coaster of dieting or restricting and then binging. It's either all in or all out, right? (laughs) They're having way too much or way too little. And it's because of the restrictive nature of dieting. So that's why a lot of times we see people yo-yo diet constantly back and forth. Psychological restriction is sneakier and harder to identify than physical restriction. So psychological restriction is when there's foods that we think we shouldn't have. We're mentally restricting them. We have rules around what's good, what's bad, what's okay, what's off limits, what's clean, what's sinful, whatever. When we do this, we're creating this psychological barrier around the ability for us to have a certain food. I mean, let's talk about why this doesn't work, right? Have you ever told a toddler that they can't have something? And that could be food, but it could also be a toy or a game or whatever. How did that go? Did their desire for that thing just go away when you said they couldn't have it? I'm guessing it didn't. It probably got even more intense. So just like toddlers, we want what we can't have. And when we decide that there's specific foods that we can't eat, we want them a hundred times more. This is an example of why giving oneself unconditional permission to eat any food that's obviously medically safe is so important. I have a client who's diagnosed with binge eating disorder and she recently relapsed into some binging again. And after further investigation, we were able to find out that she still thought she shouldn't have certain kinds of foods. Even after working together for so many months and working through that psychological and physical restriction, There was still something deep down that was telling her she didn't deserve to have that kind of food, which not surprisingly, those were the foods that she would binge on were the ones that she deep down still believed she should not eat. Now, binge eating, as you've probably come to see, is a bit of a spectrum, right? It can range from really severe to not such a big deal, but still something that matters. So when is it really a problem? When is binge eating a problem? I would say binge eating is a problem if you find yourself distressed or preoccupied about your patterns and behaviors about food. If you binge eat, you should not wait until you're meeting that criteria for binge eating disorder to reach out for help. You've still got a symptom that needs to be addressed. The sooner that it's addressed, the quicker it can be resolved. And yes, it absolutely can be resolved. Binge eating disorder does not have to be something that somebody is then is diagnosed with and then never gets freedom from or just binge eating in general. If you have that symptom, just because you binge eat doesn't mean you're never going to stop binge eating. The problem with binge eating or binge eating disorder is that not everybody seeks help 
or they give up too early. It's estimated that only half, actually less than half, of people diagnosed with binge eating disorder will receive treatment for the disorder. So think about that. Less than half of people with binge eating disorder have even an opportunity to get better, right? I don't have a stat on how many of those people successfully walked away from binge eating disorder, but I do know that with support, with education, with time and perseverance, it is possible. There's no reason that binge eating cannot be overcome with the right support system, tools, and resources. Before I close out, I want to tell you a really quick story of one of my clients that worked with me in my four-month mastermind. She came to me and she said, I binge eat all the time and it's every day when my kids are about to come back from school. I'll hide in the pantry and I'll get as much food in as I can because I'm anxious about them coming home. And I know it's going to be really busy and really chaotic once they get home from school. She was really feeling ashamed about this and it was affecting her quality of life, the way that she showed up in her marriage and in her family. And she was scared for her health. And after four months of working with me and working through intuitive eating, she wasn't binging anymore. In fact, within one week, of working with me. She wasn't binge eating anymore. I mean, how amazing is that? And that's just one of many stories that I have of women who, because of the intuitive eating process, because of becoming aware and having that right support system, they were able to walk away from binge eating forever. If you're sitting there listening to this and you know that you meet criteria for binge eating disorder, or you're somewhere else on the spectrum of binge eating, and you just struggle with binge eating in general, reach out for help. Don't wait. This is something that I've seen it rob women of quality in their life and being able to spend time with loved ones. Those feelings of shame and guilt and embarrassment is not something that you should be feeling about food. It's just not period. Reach out for help. Don't wait until it gets bad enough because it's just going to be even harder to solve. It is 100% possible to have a relationship with food that feels easy and doesn't feel like something you have to be fighting an uphill battle about all the time. My most common client is women with binge eating. So this is not something that you're alone on. There's help out there for you, whether it's me or another professional. We love to help. We love to watch people walk away binge free from their coaching or their treatment. So don't wait to reach out for help. And if you know somebody struggling with binge eating, encourage them to do the same. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate you so much. And I would love it if you would show your appreciation as well by leaving me a review. If you have a specific topic that you'd like me to cover in the future or a question that I can answer in a future episode, go ahead and send me an email at michelle at yatesnutrition.com with your request. And I'll be sure to add it to my lineup. And if you're interested in working with me in any capacity, I would absolutely love to work with you. Take a peek at my website, yatesnutrition.com and poke around, see what I offer. You can also fill out a request form through that website and I will get back to you within 24 hours about next steps based on what I think is the best fit for you.